1130 here at KRVN on this Thursday. Tyler Cavalli along with you. Thanks for joining us. It's a warm one out there. Stay cool if you're tasseling, if you're one of the kiddos. Stay cool as well. Drink plenty of water. And uh, we'll get more on that weather forecast coming up in about 15 minutes with Paul Perkins. Scott Foster is filling in for sports. Jason making his TV debut once again, of course, talking to Scott Frost. So we'll hear more from the Big Ten Media Days uh, throughout the day and throughout the week as well. Bob Rogan is in. He'll tell us how stocks are performing as we near the end of the week. But let's head back to Lincoln once again with Susan Littlefield. And Susan, what do you have for us coming up on this Thursday? Well, we're going to kick it all off. We'll be talking with Deb Gingwish. Deb, of course, has been reelected to the Corn Board for the National Corn Growers Association. She talks to me about the speech she gave to folks of the delegates that were there uh, earlier last week. So she'll share her thoughts on where this corn industry needs to go. Then at 1245, Alex will be in to talk with Madeline Kamler. She is on Fillmore County 4-H who started a beehive and teaches classes about beehive pollination. And then you and I were talking just a little bit ago about horseradish and, and the growing process. Mm. We're going to talk about that at 117 as I speak with a fourth generation horseradish grower from Wisconsin. I look forward to that and look forward to the tips. I've learned a lot already since our last conversation an hour ago. So this has been informative. I look forward to it and look forward to adding more horseradish onto my food. Very much so. Put it in your potatoes. All right. Sounds good. Thank you very much, Susan. Talk to you shortly. All right. Let's turn things over to Bob Brogan and Scott Foster. First off, for both of you, did you guys do tassel as, as kiddos? I was actually the uh, head of a detasseling crew. I drove the bus oh. to, to drop them off. Well, and that doesn't count. At that doesn't no, count. I did. Yes, I did a little bit okay. of it. Yes. Did, did you, Bob? No, I never did any okay. Do you walk beans or anything like that? I did walk beans. Okay. Well, they no. don't do that anymore. Yeah, no. Walking I, beans is not irrigation pipe and the old style aluminum. Yeah. Now they still have those. Some some still do. Mm-hmm. That's a fun time. Yeah, okay, I, well, you better wear your gloves. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Perfect. I, I never had to. That. You didn't have no, to. No, I got lucky. No, I put out laid out pipe all sure. that you know all that stuff. Uh, not a fun job. Uh, but we was usually just helping with the cattle thing that we had hmm. separate people for separate things, and so got lucky and didn't have to do that. I still don't want to do it. Um, I'm okay not I, doing that in my life. Well, as uh, Senator Sass would say, everybody should detassel at some <laughs> time right. in their life. <laughs> That's right. Before we uh, go way off track here, uh, yeah, we have less than a minute. So quickly for sports, what do you have for us? We'll hopefully get some sound from uh, Scott Frost and talk to hear what he has to say and all the wonderful things that are going to be Nebraska football. Of course, pick fifth. And uh, we're going to do horns down here because, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, we can. Since they're going to leave anyway, we'll just say horns down. Pick fifth seems high to me, but that's Mm -hmm. just my opinion and nobody Mm -hmm. cares. All right, here's Bob Brogan and uh, our stocks. Stocks are slightly lower on Wall Street after a surprise increase in the number of Americans filing for unemployment benefits. Also, sales of previously occupied homes rose in June, and American Airlines and Southwest Airlines have both posted second quarter profits. Those detail, those stories and more coming up in the business news. All right, terrific stuff. Appreciate that from everybody as we now turn it back over to Sina. Thanks. Time for regional ag weather update brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. The man to do the job, as always, is Paul Perkins, who is now joining us. First off, Paul, uh, 
I assume you did some detasseling when you were a youngster. Never did any no, detasseling. Okay. I, I lived on a farm, so I got my fill of that kind of stuff with irrigation and irrigation sure. tubes. We didn't, yeah. have, we didn't have pipe. We had irrigation tubes. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, yeah, taking it back a little bit. All right. Well, it's obviously kids are out there doing it. Uh, people are out there doing the detasseling right now. Yeah, and that's when, when I'm always driving into work, I always encounter a bus driving yeah. along the highway because <laughs> they're coming in to get the kids or whatever and take them to the next, the next field. So. Try to start early. Uh, yes, because it, as we know, it's <laughs> warming up today and throughout the rest of this week. Yeah, especially tomorrow. Tomorrow going to be our hottest day of the week this far uh, with some temperatures for most of us about 95 to 100. Uh, starting to see some warming for today. Temperatures today going to be about slightly above average. A little bit more wind, but it's not going to be too bad. No, and the humidity will be a little bit higher for mm-hmm. tomorrow, but uh, it kind of goes with the extra heat. But overall, the heat index reading is not going to be terribly higher than the actual air temperature for tomorrow. Maybe some heat index readings up into the mid-100s. Seems like it's been a quick warm-up today, mostly 90, 80s, excuse me, and then a 90 out in the panhandle uh, area. But for the most part, uh, we're, we're warming up fairly fast. Yes, uh, a lot of us for temperatures right now into the low 80s, some mid to upper 80s right now over much of western Kansas on into northeast Colorado and as Tyler mentioned some minute upper 80s into the Nebraska Panhandle up to 90 right now in the Kimball area but their dew point a very comfortable 48 so that drier air warming up very uh, quickly there most of us with dew points right now that aren't too high in the low to mid 60s. Sunny skies today our temperature is slightly warmer than normal as a ridge of high pressure builds overhead sunshine will be filtered by that high level smoke and the haze from the western U.S. wildfires but not expecting that smoke to make it to the surface tomorrow expected to be the hottest day this week highs warming into the mid-90s to around 100 increasing humidity making it feel like it's as high as 105 on the heat index readings a very slight chance for some thunderstorms for tomorrow night with the passage of low pressure drop the vast majority of the region going to stay dry if you do see some rain it's not going to be very much weekend temperatures also not expected to be quite as warm as what we see tomorrow a few thunderstorms once again possible by Sunday afternoon into Monday with the disturbance tracking southeast, but very scattered thunderstorms at best. Drier weather returns for next week when the high-pressure ridge strengthens across the plains. Daytime highs will stay in the 90s and expecting some upper 90s by Wednesday. In the... In the long-term forecast, above normal temperature is likely for Nebraska and Kansas Tuesday through the first four days of August, especially the mid to late part of next week. Below normal rainfall is predicted for Nebraska and Kansas Tuesday through August 4th, that most likely drier period expected during the mid to late part of next week. Checking the latest regional drought monitor, Nebraska continues to be 32% drought-free. No dryness concerns in the South Central, basically from Overton to Kearney and southward to McCook and Franklin. Other drought Free areas include from southwest Cherry County to Ogallala and Sydney, and in much of eastern Nebraska. Most of central and southwest Nebraska, along with the Panhandle, abnormally dry to a moderate drought. Severe drought continues right along the South Dakota border in northeast Nebraska. Kansas improved 11 percentage points to 70% drought-free. Abnormally dry areas include Cheyenne to Rollins County in the northwest corner and central Kansas from Smith Center and Washington southward to Ashland and Winfield. Key weather factors driving the markets include scattered rain across the Corn Belt, especially near the Great Lakes, and some scattered 
standard rain in the Canadian prairies in the northern Midwest. Recent rainfall has been limited. More scattered showers are forecast for this weekend, especially across the northern Midwest, a pattern that may stay active into early next week. The northern plains triple-digit heat continues for the next several days, with stress continuing to mount for developing to reproductive corn and soybeans and the massive toll on spring wheat. Scattered to isolated rain tomorrow will continue into early next week across the northern plains. The rain, though, expected to only have a limited benefit in certain spots. For the Canadian prairies, isolated rain this week has not significantly affected the drought. Isolated rain is possible for the next week, but amounts are not expected to be very helpful for reproductive to filling spring wheat. Mostly above normal temperatures will also continue to stress the crops in the Canadian prairies. So relatively good news that we will not see maybe as warm as temperatures from tomorrow to this weekend. Exactly. Yeah, we're going to see that hot day for tomorrow. They'll kind of back off for a few days. But it looks like the mid to late part of next week is when the brunt of this heat will probably set in. Okay, sounds good. Well, we will uh, try to survive tomorrow and then this weekend and look forward, I guess, to uh, next week. Uh, for a full weather forecast, where can somebody find that? Weather page, krvn.com. Thank you, Paul. Policy to exports to continued communication with corn growers. All important issues for Shelton, Nebraska corn producer Deb Gangwish. Hi, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Deb has been re-elected to the Corn Board for the National Corn Growers Association. As she and I talked first, policy. You know, our policy suggestions were were I, warmly embraced. I mean the. There weren't a lot of policy issues brought forward, Susan. I think last uh, Corn Congress, we really had some fantastic debate around ethanol. And again, um, Nebraska's resolutions were unanimously supported around ethanol. Moving forward with this Corn Congress, it was it was mainly tweaks and wording, and then, like I said, Nebraska's resolution with um, the FOSS study to really dig into what's going on here with pricing and, and what options we have to protect our farmers. As you look forward to, to another term on the board, what are some of maybe your bucket list goals that you would like to see in representing not only Nebraska corn growers, but corn growers across the nation? You know, I listed three things in my speech. <clears throat> Number one, of course, being ethanol. And, you know, we, we've got a lot of different avenues into create, driving demand, uh, creating higher blends of ethanol. And we need to keep all those roads open. There is no one right way for us to increase uh, ethanol demand. It, it may be a multi-pronged, multi-focused approach. We just need to make sure that corn is poised and ready. When any one of those avenues opens up, uh, more broadly, that we're we're right there, and you know we've got a great uh, great effort from our ethanol uh, colleagues with RFA growth. Um, we work with ACE. You know, there's just we're a force, but there's just a lot of opposition with with ethanol. The bottom line is ethanol is the answer now. If we want to reduce greenhouse gases, ethanol is the immediate solution. Uh, second of all, um, I talked a little bit about our freedom to operate. And for me, this is a huge bucket. It's uh, We've got to have our farms be economically viable. We need to be able to use every tool in the toolbox uh, to raise our crops. Our infrastructure is really, really key, and that is front and center. And again, corn is hitting that incredibly hard. We've got to be able to get our crops to local and global markets. Um, and then, of course, we must have the markets, right? So we need trade. Um, we need 
we need to find homes for our bushels. Um, we're already, I'm, I'm on the risk management action team, a transportation action team, and we're already looking at the farm bill. What do we want in there? What do we want to protect? Um, of course, tax structure with stepped up basis has been front and center and, and corn uh, <clears throat> commissioned a study with Keiko Isom and that is out there, Susan. I can get you a link, but it's a fantastic webinar and we should be sending out a, a Excel spread, spreadsheet for farmers to plug in their own numbers to see what that's, how that would be how they'd be impacted on their farm. So, um, of course, the other area in freedom to operate is our sustainability and environmental issues. And again, corn is front and center on those things. So that's my second area was freedom to operate. My third area is one that I don't think we often talk about, but it's organizational relevancy. I just, in my heart, I really believe we, we must, NCGA must continue to evolve so we can be of value uh, to the farmers you know, that we have now, our current farmers, our future farmers, and then, of course, our potential farmers. Those comments coming from Shelton, Nebraska producer, Deb Gangwish. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. It is time for Midday Sports. Scott Foster is filling in as Jason is in Indianapolis at Lucas Oil Stadium as he has a part of Big Ten Media Days and just so happens that is our lead story this afternoon. Weird how that works, isn't it? We send somebody to do a job and he does it. All right, I like that a lot. Well, of course, uh, lots of things being talked about there, and today was the day that uh, Coach Scott Frost got to talk, and he met with media today at Big Ten Media Days, and he asked if this is his best team on paper at Nebraska. I'm excited for this season. we got to go earn whatever respect we get, and i so far, we haven't done enough of that, but our players are really excited to do it. Uh, we've really been focusing on the things that um, we needed to fix uh, as a football team. Uh, we've had too many self-inflicted wounds, too many uh, errors, uh, turnovers, penalties, uh, those types of things that have kept us from winning some close football games. Uh, special teams is another one. and kind of cut and pasted that from last year's talk. <laughs> Sounds very similar. Uh, there's two things with that. One, answer the question, if that's a legit question. If that was the actual question, that's when he asked, answer the question. Don't hem-haw around. I hate when coaches do that, and he is an expert at that. Second thing was getting ready to say, you could have taken that from any post-game of any game, and it splashed it right now, and we never would have known the difference. Yep. Yep. Goodness gracious. Um, By the way, when we got off the air last hour, you corrected me that they were picked fifth in the, their Western Division. Right. Not in the whole Big Ten. Yeah. So when this I scoffed is... at it, it, this now makes sense. So yeah. they're picked not totally last, but in fifth, which, okay, that's fine. Well, and most people are picking. And of course, remember, the Big Ten does not do a preseason thing, but yeah, the right. Cleveland.com goes to the beat writers and does some of that stuff, and they picked Wisconsin to to win, as you probably always should, in the West, and uh, Iowa... Uh, Northwestern, Minnesota, Nebraska, Purdue, Illinois. I can answer the question for him. Uh-huh. Uh, Go ahead. Yeah, what's your... I, I would, uh, yeah, uh, excuse me, yes, uh, Tyler Cavalli, what, what is... Uh, <laughs> what, is this the best team on paper that Nebraska has? With Scott Frost, right? Yes. Uh, probably not. 
I don't think so. I think he's had a better offensive players in the past. Defense is probably the best. So no. I think yes and no. Mm. Maybe 50-50. Defense a, is pretty solid. You've got a fourth-year starter in quarterback. So no excuses. Yeah, but the not doing. He's not producing. That's fine. I can be whatever. I know. I'm going to continue now. All right, go ahead. Coming off a 3-5 and five season, the Huskers are picked to, f- to finish uh, next to last in the Big Ten West, and you will kick off the season on the road at Illinois. Here's some good news. Let's not focus on the field for just a moment. Let's go off the field. Nebraska quarterback Adrian Martinez received recognition for his off-the-field work as he was nominated for the 2021 All-State AFCA Good Works team. Martinez is one of 109 student-athletes across all levels nominated. Martinez has been active in the Huskers Life Skills Program and was one of the leaders in coordinating the Nebraska football road race, which featured 750 participants and raised money for pediatric brain cancer research at the Buffett Cancer Center at UNMC in mid-June. In addition, he has also volunteered his time for a day of service, Make-A-Wish, Husker Heroes, and local uh hospital visits throughout his career you can actually go and uh, vote on that good works team hashtag there one thing yes the only you know things aren't going well when the only good news we talk about is off the field and not on the field i'm just throwing that out there listen you're 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 rough. You got angst today. No, I don't have angsty. angst. You're a I'm the angsty. truth teller. I'm the truth teller. I want Nebraska to be good. I've now converted. I'm a Husker fan. I'm all for it. I want them to be good. But I'm also realistic, and mm-hmm. they're not going to be good. Just you know, it's frustrating. All right. So I'm go ahead. I'm okay, done. I'm done. Gonna, you're done. Now, we're now we're going to move off of Husker sports for just a little while. Okay. Beautiful. Hundreds of thousands of people are expected to squeeze into the streets of downtown Milwaukee today to catch a glimpse of the Milwaukee Bucks in a parade that celebrates the city's first NBA championship in a half a century. The players and owners will board uh, five double decker buses as they roll through the heart of Deer District and of course the MVP uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo will be there for that and by the way Tokyo has hit another six month high in the COVID-19 cases not good and they have said that they would cancel in the 11th hour Uh, really they did say that yeah so we're getting close man today would probably be that that Uh, day I mean they're already ahead obviously so I would think I don't think they're going to but you never know so uh, real quick have you seen the new Space Jam uh, I have not. No, have you? I have. And it, it's it's worth a watch. It's interesting the way they integrate other movies and other characters from different shows mm-hmm. is interesting. But it, it's well done. It's well done overall. It's very slow in the beginning. If you have a kid or a grandson or grandchild, watch it. It's worth a watch. Okay. Yeah. I'll do that. All Thank right. you. I Thanks, mean, movie yeah. critic uh, and Husker critic Tyler Cavalli. All the above. Thank you very much. It is time for Midday News. News Director Dave Schroeder is joining us, and thankfully we're not uh, talking or mentioning Husker football during our newscast. I don't think, at least. I haven't seen your your newscast. Nope, nope, no Husker (laughs) mentioned in my newscast. But fortunately, we're talking about a death investigation. The the Gosper County Sheriff's Office says a body of a missing three-year-old girl was found this morning at Johnson Lake. Gosper County Sheriff Dennis Holkin says that shortly before 6 p.m. yesterday, the Sheriff's Office received a report of a three 
three-year-old child riding on a flotation toy that had drifted out to the main area of Johnson Lake from the swim beach area in Gosper County. While the Gosper County Sheriff's Office arrived, witnesses said the flotation toy had flipped over and the child fell into the water. The Lexington Volunteer Fire Department dive team and Nebraska Game and Parks Commission personnel searched the lake until around 10.30 last night. The dive team uh, resumed uh, the search this morning, and the deceased child was located shortly before 7.30 a.m. and has been identified as three-year-old Avery Grace Mendiola of Lexington. An autopsy has been ordered. The Gosper County Sheriff's Office was also assisted by the Dawson County Sheriff's Office and Nebraska State Patrol and Elwood Fire and Rescue. State Senator Matt Williams of Gothenburg announced that he will run for an open seat on the University of Nebraska Board of Regents next year. Williams has served in the legislature the past seven years and is ineligible to run again because of term limits. He is seeking to fill the seat of Regent Bob Ferris of North Platte, who has endorsed Williams and announced that he won't seek re-election in 2022. Williams says that if elected, he'll demand transparency, push for strong public-private partnerships, support policies to retain students, and fight to keep the university's in-state tuition rates the lowest of all Big Ten institutions. In southwest Nebraska, the Norris Institute of McCook has been preparing, fundraising, and planning for the new Norris Alley. This space was encouraged by the organization's board and hopes to bring more life to the downtown area. With construction underway on the new outdoor plaza, Chairman Andy Long reflects on the cost of the new community area. You know, we think all in to operate this space for a couple of years and for all the construction. Uh, it's around a $700,000 project. We've raised close to $600,000. So we are, you know, almost there. But we still have a, about another 100000 to go, and we're still looking for local support and area support. And, you know, as a part of this space, not just does it improve the downtown of McCook and make it a more vibrant space, you know, there's also going to be a tribute to Norris. Well, the project is expected to be completed by the end of September. A major Kansas health system is declining to take patients from outside hospitals because it has too few open beds with cases of the faster-spreading COVID Delta variant surging. Chief Medical Officer Steve Seitz at the University of Kansas Health System said that the space problem now the system's main hospital in Kansas City, Kansas, is worse than it was last fall. So just an indication of what we're still dealing with uh, with this COVID, COVID virus. It's got me so upset. Worse. <laughs> <laughs> that darn COVID. That's right. All right. For more news, where can you find that? On KRVN.com. Thank you. All gets it all. Madeline Kamler is a 4-H'er from Fillmore County, described by her local extension educator as, and I quote, an outstanding 4-H'er. I think you'll see why here shortly. First, though, Madeline gives us an overview of her 4-H experiences. Since I don't show, you know, I kind of took on the more static exhibit side and, like, leadership development skills, those kind of areas. So I do a little bit of public speaking, and I've taught a few classes with 4-H, all about bees and pollinators and all that. And I've also taken a couple other classes, kind of like dabbled in like the cooking, sewing division, all of that. So I've done that before. And 
I've started up that apiary, as I mentioned earlier, with those bees, and I take care of those. My mom and I do. And that's basically all I do in 4-H, but it keeps me busy. Of the many things she's involved in, she's known most notably for her bees. I got a scholarship from an organization called the Nebraska Beekeepers Association about five years ago. I was like in junior high, so super formative years in my life. And I earned this scholarship that basically got me enough equipment and a mentorship to start up one hive of bees at my farm that I live on. And so that got started, and it was going great. And then the next year, my, or Brandy, she approached my mom and asked, you know, that bee thing that, you, that your daughter's got going on is really, really cool. Would you want to maybe start some down at the extension office? She could, like, teach classes because I'm intending on being a teacher. And I'd known about that. I'd had an interest in teaching ever since I was, like, in junior high or even younger than that. So she was like, do you want to see if your daughter wants to start up a hive and maybe teach some classes after they get established and all that? And it was like, of course, <laughs> you know. And so we got that started the next year, year two of the whole beekeeping escapade. And we have two hives there now. Unfortunately, neither of them survived the last winter, but we're working on getting them back up and reestablished. So we have room for two hives there per county ordinances. And the next year after we got it started, I got to teach some classes to um, 4-H'ers, some Clover kids, and even some residents of the Geneva Garden Club because they all came by and Brandy had written about it in a newsletter. So she thought that, you know, a lot of different groups could come by and I've taught maybe three, four classes to different 4-H'ers and Clover kids. I've only done two classes with the Garden Club, but uh, that wasn't 4-H related. I used a 4-H curriculum, but it wasn't directly related to 4-H. So I've done that, and in the last few years, they've helped us uh, harvest our honey, the Extension Office staff has, and it's been really great because their help is greatly appreciated because honey harvest is a very busy time of year. So we really appreciate their help with all that. And it's been an amazing experience that I wouldn't be me without. And when Madeline started this journey a few short years ago, she said she never thought it would be where it is today. No, absolutely not. I thought, you know, this is just going to be a little thing. Um, I didn't think it would take up this much of my personality, <laughs> if you can believe that. A lot of people who don't know me personally, they just know me as, oh, you're the bee girl, that kind of thing. And I did not think it would end up here today, but here we are. <laughs> it's helped me develop my leadership skills. It's helped me develop my communication skills. It's gotten me a lot of connections with the community because we sell that honey at a few different we sell it at the extension office, and we sell it at another establishment in Geneva called Jill's Sweet Shop. So we sell things there, and everyone's heard about, oh, this is this girl's hive, and, you know, the honey that they produce, that's all her. It's like, 
no, it's a lot more than me, and there's a lot more than me to it. I just didn't think it would ever get this far, but it did. Madeline will be a senior next year. She said that 4-H has been crucial in developing the person she is today, and it's helping her decide what she wants to do in the future. So I'm thinking secondary education, so high schoolers, slash maybe junior hires, like late middle schoolers. And um, I'm going to get, hopefully, get a dual endorsement in Spanish and science, which you wouldn't think go together, but they're both very, very high-need areas. And I've been told that if you go that route, I could probably go anywhere because, you know, we're in desperate need of teachers right now. There's a nationwide teaching shortage. And I've had a calling for teaching from a very young age, so I think that I can really help in those areas. And she leaves one final message to younger students. If y'all 4-H'ers out there, if you're part of 4-H and you're not quite up to FFA age yet, once you hit like junior high, get into FFA, even if you don't live on a farm. We're a very accepting community and we love to have you no matter where you're from. We're a very, very diverse network. And both of those organizations together, those partnerships, they can really, really help you in junior high and high school and beyond. They teach you so many great life skills that kids, no matter what age, are going to need. So definitely join 4-H and FSA if you kids get the opportunity to. Madeline also mentioned that she's serving as the Shickley FFA president this year. That again is Madeline Kamler, a senior 4-H'er from Fillmore County. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. The drop-down menu. With business report for Thursday, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks are a little bit lower in trading on Wall Street after a surprise increase in the number of Americans filing for unemployment benefits gave investors pause. Investors have been nervous about how well the economy is recovering from the pandemic with lingering concerns that the rapidly spreading Delta variant of COVID-19 may cause businesses and cities to put restrictions into place yet again. But all three major U.S. indexes are still on pace to end the week higher after strong gains the past two days. Meanwhile, the number of Americans seeking unemployment benefits rose last week from the lowest point of the pandemic, even as the job market appears to be rebounding. The Labor Department says jobless claims increased to 419,000, from 368,000 the previous week. The weekly number of first-time applications for benefits, which generally tracks layoffs, has fallen steadily since topping 900,000 in early January. Sales of previously occupied homes rose in June, snapping a four-month losing streak, while strong demand for higher-end properties and ultra-low mortgage rates helped push prices to new highs. The National Association of Realtors says sales of existing homes rose 1.4% to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 5.86 million units. Union Pacific Corporation today reported second quarter earnings of $1.8 billion. The Omaha-Nebraska-based company said it had profit of $2.72 per share. The results surpassed Wall Street expectations. The average estimate of six analysts surveyed by Zach's investment research was for earnings of $2.55 per share. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob. 
When you think of prime rib, you think of horseradish. But do you ever think about how that horseradish is grown? Yeah, me neither. But I got the opportunity this week while in Wisconsin. Hi, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Wisconsin Farm Technology Days took place at the Hudsinger Farms, a subsidiary of Silver Springs Foods. Spoke with Eric Reich as we talked about the labor-intensive raising of horseradish. Labor-intensive. So we, ha- I'm a fourth-generation horseradish farmer. Our, my great-grandfather started the company in 1929, and it's, it's labor-intensive. So we, we grow the horseradish, as you see behind us. And what we're interested in is this big, hardy, uh, tough root underneath the ground. And the plant, actually, the defense mechanism is, it's not hot when you put it in your mouth, but as soon as you start chewing it, it will re- release the heat. We, we call it uh, the zing factor. And we've actually created a new heat index for horseradish called the zing factor, which we're debuting today. Talk about that zing factor, because there is nothing better than the taste that it leaves in your mouth after you've consumed it. Yeah, it's very different than like a pepper heat. That's capsaicin, and what that does is it kind of stays in your mouth, and the heat builds over time. Horseradish is called allyl isothiocyanate, is the compound that makes horseradish hot. And it goes up into your nose, and it kind of makes your eyes water. So if you ever find yourself in a horseradish eating competition, one trick for you. Breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. And you can take away a little bit of that zing. What do you like about this family operation and growing horseradish? Uh, I would say it's probably just the labor of love. It, you know, it, it is. There's, a lot of people don't know what even a horseradish plant looks like and all the things that go into it. So we're really excited to be able to showcase some of the things that we do and some of the things that our farmers have been doing for multi-years. And, you know, the compound, the, 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 the horseradish itself as a condiment is so versatile. I mean, it is absolutely the best complement to beef. I mean, the two were made together. So for all your beef producers out there, you know, be sure to, to get some fresh horseradish on there uh, to try it with the beef. But you can put it with applesauce. You can make your own sauces. You can put it with cranberry sauce, which we do as a family, and try it in a whole variety of different things. And actually, behind me, we are sampling Bloody Marys. Uh, you can put a little bit of horseradish into a Bloody Mary and uh, give it a little bit of that zing factor. Talk about the growing process as, as we look at what's growing behind us. At what stage of development are we at? So typically we'll harvest the root. We'll take the, the seed sets off the, the root itself and we'll come back out in the field and plant it. About 12 months to 18 months later, the product is ready to harvest. And we'll cut the tops off. We'll bring our big horseradish harvester through the ground and we'll dig the roots up and then we'll bring it back into cold storage. One important thing to know about horseradish, you have to keep it cold to keep it hot. So we actually refrigerate it the entire process. Comes into cold storage, we clean it up, process it, grind it, and bottle it with a little bit of vinegar and salt, and then we sell it through the horseradish or the um, cold channel. So it's in the refrigerated section of your grocery store. So when you talk about it being a labor of love, it truly is, because this isn't a crop that you plant in the spring and harvest in the fall. No, we actually, so it's it's 12 months. So if if we harvest, uh, in the spring, we will plant simultaneously. That next spring, we'll, we will be able to harvest that crop that we planted. What suggestions do you have for somebody who's going to buy horseradish? Um, maybe they're going to buy it fresh and, and grind it themselves. So horseradish is not like wine. It doesn't get better with age. So it's the hottest the day we grind it, and every day after that, it loses a little bit of its heat. Make sure you keep it refrigerated. But I like to say use it quickly. So again, there's a lot of different ways to, to use the horseradish product. Most people will buy it for their one occasion during the holiday and then put it in their fridge and forget about it. What we're trying to do is say, mix it in a sauce, try it with the chicken, try it with some fish. Uh- My conversation with Eric Reich. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Difference.
Good afternoon. As we take a look now at the grain side of the trade, I'm Susan Littlefield here on the Rural Radio Network. John Payne joins us, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. And you and I were just talking, and it's, it's nice to be able to say, well, at least we're off the lows of the day when it comes to this grain complex. Yeah, it was a kind of a tale of two sessions here. The, the, the close wasn't great, down maybe three or four cents from where we were trading just minutes prior, but... Uh, the open this morning, as I walked in the doors here, it was, uh, you know, down three or four percent in in some cases. So uh, we got maybe half of that back now, just trying to scramble back above uh, the six dollar level um, in in Kansas. I'm sorry, the seven dollar. Oh, I'm sorry, the seven dollar level in Chicago wheat uh, in corn five sixty five. That five sixty level I think is pretty important here. And um, but beyond that, you know, I don't think anything's really changing. It's uh, you know. It's a market that's well-defined on the weather. We kind of know where the stories are. Um, it's got a you know, pretty good comp- com- competition market when you're speaking of uh, you know, the price of wheat up north and in, in Brazil. Um, but we're facing supply. And seasonally, this is the time to sell, at least uh, you know, on uh, the websites that, uh, the, that advertise that sort of thing. So I think a lot of the funds are, are in you know, rally sell mode, especially when they get forecasts that show moisture. But I'll be honest, I'm looking here at you know, the the models through next Wednesday right now, for example, in the Euro, and like there's no rain in the I states at all. Um, they are calling for you know better chances out west, but I mean I don't really look at look at the, the long-term change the USDA going to make off some rain in the Dakotas. So I think you just got to kind of stick with the plan here if you're a bull. Stops are going to run you unless you're you know buying near the near the lows. Um, so be patient. Try to keep your levers light, and if you do need to sell, um, you know I think you can look at some put options or a short term that, that could get you through some uncertainty or maybe even looking at, at the call side if you do reown it, want to reown it into March or something like that. John, are we going to see any market pressure coming out of, of Brazil as they continue with their harvest and dealing with the frost and the weather issues that they've had? Yeah, I mean, the USDA hasn't admitted any of that yet. They've, they've drawn the crop down about 10%, so I guess there's some loss, but the private analysts are down 20%. So I think you're going to continue to see supportive numbers there. They'll be offset by big acres next year, but... That's that's where you know it doesn't matter in the short run. The cash price is what it is, and if you're looking to be bullish corn, I mean September corn is trading, you know we'll call it two hundred fifty dollars a metric ton, and you have the the Brazilian cash price at three hundred. We've been seeing the the front month see about run to those levels each of the last two deliveries. So if you're looking for a wild card trade, sub corn is probably your huckleberry. All right, sounds good. Thanks so much, John Payne, joining us today, and that's a look to the markets. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. All right, thank you very much, Susan. That'll wrap up Midday here on this Thursday. As always, you can catch the Midday podcast sponsored by Deveni Motors at krvn.com or wherever podcasts can be found.